Welcome to Geocache Adventures with me, Shadow Dragon One, where I explore the world of geocaching. If you enjoy the show, please consider leaving a review wherever you listen to podcasts or on the Geocache Adventures Facebook page. You can also follow Geo Adventures on Buy Me a Coffee for a behind the scenes look on every episode. That's one word G E O Adventures. It's free to follow, or you can become a member and unlock exclusive posts and information. Your memberships go a long way for helping support the podcast and are greatly appreciated. Hey everybody, just a quick note. The audio for this episode may sound a little off. I made the mistake of accidentally recording the audio through my webcam instead of through my separate microphone. So it is not quite the quality I wish it was, but I'm just grateful I have the audio because there were some technical issues trying to get this recorded. But it's together and here it is and I hope you enjoy it. Hi everybody, Amy Shadow Dragon One here and with me today is returning guest. Scott Miller, who you may know as GSM times two, and you may remember from season two, episode nine, when we talked about refreshing the game board, season two, episode 15, where we learned about the Route 66 Adventure Lab series, and also season three, episode two, Adventure Lab's Tips and Tricks. You're becoming quite the regular on the show here lately. Well, thank you very much. I'm uh, glad you keep inviting me back. And I'm glad, <laughs> I think these are interesting topics. I hope that the, uh, that the listeners are finding them also. I, I think they are. I, I find them interesting and it's always a blast talking with you. So I'm excited to have you back today. Me too. You know, you usually uh, ask your guests, how did you pick your geocaching name? And I think I've listened to every one of your podcasts and I have not heard the answer to how did you pick your geocaching name, Shadow Dragon One, and how did you get into geocaching? I, I don't think I've talked about it so much on this podcast. I think I think I talked about it on Where Is It Now when he had me on his podcast. I think I talked about it briefly. But so the way I got into geocaching was it was through a coworker. I found out from a coworker from previous job several years ago. Uh, it was a couple months after my son had been born, actually. So we're talking seven years ago, I, I learned about geocaching. And I thought that sounded really neat. So I got the app and I installed it. I made an account. And then I didn't do anything because my husband wasn't in, really interested in the idea. And I had a two month old and I was like, well, I don't know what I'm doing, so <laughs> maybe I won't do this right now. And I just never did anything with it. And then about five years later, almost to the date, which I did not realize at the time, but it was almost five years to the date, I was trying to think of something new to do with my, my son, who was five. And I thought, oh, what, what was that geocaching thing again? I wonder if there's any near me. I wonder if my account is even still valid. So I pulled it up and yeah, I could still log in and yeah, there were geocaches. So we started doing it and we've been doing it ever since. Oh, that's fantastic. So did you, <laughs> did you find any five, five years before? No. Oh, so good. Did so you none. don't have like a five year 
gap between your first one and your next one that you're going to have to fill with zero. the sometime. Okay, perfect. I, I made an account and I did nothing with it until five years later. And so it's kind of funny because when you look on my account, it says member since 2014, but I never actually cashed until 2019. So Very good. And Shadow Dragon 1? So that is, I think it was middle school when we were first having emails and learning computer stuff at school and gosh that makes me feel really old saying that but <laughs> i i needed a username for something i don't even remember what it was for at this point and i mean this is middle school so you're trying to come up with something that sounds really cool so it's like oh shadow dragon sounds neat i was trying i tried all kinds of things and nothing was working so I tried Shadow Dragon, and that was taken. And then one of my friends says, oh, why don't you take the O out of Dragon? It looks cooler that way. And I tried it, and that was taken. And then, you know, there's like this suggestion. You try these combinations of your username. So I stuck a one on the end of it, and it worked. Well, that, ironically, every time I needed a screen name for something was always available, and I could always remember it. So I've just always used it for stuff because it's always available, <laughs> it seems like. <laughs> well, fantastic. Cloud was available for geocaching.com. Yeah. So it's, it's just one of those, it's a relic. It really is kind of like a relic of my middle school past and it just hangs around because it works. <laughs> And it does have a cool sound to it, too. So good. <laughs> yes, the 12-year-old in me still thinks so. so. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> well, today we're going to talk about cash maintenance. Yes, we are. And you have quite the few caches to maintain. So for those listening, how many hides do you have? So I've been geocaching for about 18 years, and I <clears throat> have set over that period of time, 2,066 geocaches. Uh, about 100 of them are in power trails, but all the rest of them are individually set geocaches. Uh, currently, I have 141 active, and tomorrow I'm gonna have 142 active geocaches. So over that period of time, <clears throat> I have learned one or seven things about cash <laughs> maintenance. I've learned how to do bad cash maintenance. I've, I've learned how to set bad caches and how to set good caches. So I th I'm looking forward to sharing some of that information and hope it'll find that the listeners will find it useful. That's a lot of caches over the years. It really is. And th that also includes, includes the adventure lab locations that I've set. So, and we've talked about this a little bit on some of the episodes where with this Route 66 Adventure Lab and the tips and tricks for Adventure Labs. But you include that in your count because why again? <laughs> because a lot of people say, hey, the great thing about Adventure Labs is they don't need to be maintained. And the matter of fact, they do need to be, be maintained uh, because things change. One of the one of the things that I will share, the person who did the Route 66 through Texas, he was using uh, traffic signs for the information because they're permanent. They're going to be there all the time. 
until somebody has an accident or two accidents and take two of them out and he has to change his adventure lab. So yeah, it was important for him. They, they do need maintenance. They may need less maintenance, but they still need maintenance. <laughs> they certainly do. <laughs> so for somebody who may be newer to geocaching, what exactly do we mean by cache maintenance? You know, cache maintenance, it's, this is going to be kind of how the show pans out. What is it that you set? Because you want to set things that are going to not have a lot of maintenance. How do you monitor your caches uh, so that you're aware of what needs cache maintenance? And then how are you setting up your, uh, your cache maintenance? Do you make a cache maintenance run whenever you need to, or do you do it quarterly? I know some people uh, back east I've heard, they'll do a springtime cache run where they'll go check all of their caches and they'll do a fall cache run where they'll prepare all their caches for the winter. So, you know, with 741, I don't do either of those. So uh, I'm very dependent on monitoring and going out and making about a, once a month, I'll do a cache run. 741, that is, that is so many caches. How do you maintain them? Um, I maintain them by really depending on the, the community, not the community to do any maintenance on them. Although it is nice if somebody will add a log or something like that, but I'm dependent on the community to log their DNFs, make mention of the fact that there's something wrong with the cache. And if they'll go ahead and do that little extra step to do a maintenance, you know, it needs maintenance, that's really helpful because that brings a, a uh, email to me separate and I can flag that and know that, okay, I need to take care of something at this, at this cache. Yeah, that's definitely important to note. It, it really is because if I monitor correctly, then I can disable things. So people know that the cache is missing. Um, and then I can, you know, make my notes that, hey, I need to go to this cache and change the log or this container is cracked or something along those lines. So all of those things, it's a whole continuum of cache maintenance. <laughs> so how often are you checking on the 741 geocaches? Is it just kind of whenever something pops up in a log or do you do a regular check on them or how are you handling and managing all of these? Well, let's go back to monitoring because that for me, that's okay. really the most important part. Um, if, if people will go ahead and log their DNFs, I've set up a couple things that really work for me. Um, one of them is that on my email uh, client, I've set rules that look for uh, couldn't find in the subject line. Because if someone logs the DNF, the subject line will say so-and-so could not find. And I'll also look for needs maintenance because the subject line will be this geocache reports that this cache needs maintenance. Those flags move the uh, email over to a separate folder in my email client. So it's really easy to spot them right away. But again, that's really dependent on 
the geocachers making those log entries. So, uh, and then the other thing that I, I do, um, well, let me, you know, I have 18 years of a process in there, but, <laughs> but recently GCHQ came out with the cache owner dashboard and yes. oh my goodness, is that a useful tool for people who don't have, let's say 741 geocaches because you can go in there and look and it'll, it flags, you know, those things that are disabled and those things that have those that needs maintenance attribute added. Uh, so that's helpful and uh, very useful. And I'm trying to get more used to looking at that rather than my old archaic <laughs> uh, style that I use. I imagine your dashboard has several pages to scroll through of all your caches <laughs> with that many. Uh, the cache maintenance dashboard right now, if you were to look at mine, there are two entries. I have two disabled caches at this moment and nothing that needs maintenance. Oh, so it only shows you the flagged ones and not the whole list to scroll through. That's right. That shows oh, okay. you the flagged ones. And that is so That's quick helpful. and easy. Yes. So you're and not having to hunt through all of them. It's right there. It is right there. I'm, I have a GSAC, uh, a GSAC database that I keep track of. I don't even really have to do that as long as I can disable things and people will uh, use that needs maintenance uh, process, they'll pop up right there. So it really makes it useful and helpful. And I will have to give myself a pat on the back for only having two and 739 that don't need anything to my knowledge. That is uh, impressive. That's, that's a pretty. That's pretty good. I'm really proud of I, that. I will. I will have to admit that is very impressive to have that many active and only two flagged currently. Yeah. So your question is, how often do I do maintenance? Yeah. I'm in the process every day. <laughs> okay. And then, and then once about once a month, I'll uh, go out and I will visit those caches that I flagged. Is you know they've either been disabled or they need some maintenance. So, or if I just happen to be in the area, I'll go ahead and uh, and take care of those. Okay, so daily you're checking your emails, look at the logs, and when you see there's something, we get flagged about months, once a month, you're out there physically. Do you, so you're not out it. there physically every single day running to a cache. And... <laughs> I am not. I, I do let them <laughs> pile up a little bit. You know, and in a, in a month, there'll probably be seven or eight that need something taken care of. A month seems reasonable because in, in my experience, when a cache is disabled, if you don't note anything in a month, that's when the reviewer pops up and says, hey, you need to write a note or something to let us know what's going on or we need to archive this. So that that seems to fall pretty well within the guidelines. It does. And you just mentioned something very important, and that's communicate with the reviewers. If you have an issue with one of them, put a note, you know, just make a log entry that says, you know, for example, I have one that's been disabled for about seven months because it's a where I go up in Santa Barbara and they're doing construction where the cash is. Now, there's not very many where it goes in Santa Barbara, so I don't want to archive it. I want to go ahead and keep it disabled, but we can't get to the cache until they get this con this construction done. 
And so about once a month or thereabouts, I have a friend of mine who lives in Santa Barbara tells me that, hey, they're still doing construction. I make a note in the in my cash page and uh, and we're you know, we're doing OK with that. Yeah, that definitely when you can't get to the actual location, that makes it kind of hard to do any kind of maintenance. It really does. <laughs> and if it was, you know, if it was a traditional, I'd have archived it long ago, but it's not. It's a where I go and uh, where and so and it's a legitimate where I go. It's not a reverse whatever where I go. And uh, and it, if I archive it, I have to rebuild it. And it's for me, it's difficult to rebuild where I goes. When we're hiding a geocache, is there something we can do? when we're creating the cache to help minimize the amount of maintenance needed for it. Boy, the that's cache. the most important part of cache maintenance is setting something that hopefully <laughs> is not going to need maintenance. So you're going to be setting appropriate containers in appropriate places. Um, what's an appropriate container? Can't really tell you here from Southern California because we have issues with heat and dryness. And a lot of people have issues with humidity and wetness. <laughs> but what I can tell you, my suggestion <laughs> is go around, find a bunch of geocaches and find those ones that have dry logs that have been out there for a while and are surviving in the environment with the containers that they're set that that they're set at. And emulate those because those are containers that are going to work. You know, those containers that you go out there and you're they're wet and those logs are you know, mush. Uh, don't use those. Yeah. Um, and then hide them in a way that's appropriate for where you're hiding them. Uh, for example, if you're a geocacher who likes a high difficulty geocache, it's hard to find and you get to a lot of joy spending a half an hour looking for it and you finally find it and it just like thrills you and hide what you want to find. Go, so go hide it, but don't hide it in a park. Don't hide it in a neighborhood. Don't hide it where somebody's going to be watching you for watching somebody for half an hour searching for this because it's going to raise suspicions and the person's either going to call the police and uh, come out and talk to you or they're going to look and see what where it is that you found it and then they're going to find it and most likely remove it after you know watching somebody work on it for half an hour. So that's you know that's. I guess the most important things that I can uh, do weigh the muggle factor. You know, if you want to, if you want to stick a pill bottle under an LPC someplace, you know, don't put it at the McDonald's drive-through <laughs> where the speaker is, <laughs> <laughs> unless you want to replace it quite frequently. <laughs> yeah, that's that's a good point. I kind of learned that a little bit the hard way. Uh, one of my very first hides was at a park, and it was a magnetic key box on a bench. This is not a very frequented park, though, so I thought this will be fine. Well, in a year, it's gone missing twice, and now it's missing again. And this time, I've it's like, okay, I got to do something different because it doesn't make sense to keep spending money on key boxes that go missing or keep getting moved around to the wrong place because it's just not in the right place. So yeah. That's a lesson learned. Thank you for learning that. <laughs> yes, I, I've learned my lesson. 
I, I learned it a little bit the hard way. I'm, even my son is going, Mama, it doesn't make sense to keep putting it there if it keeps disappearing. And he's turning eight. So even he is figuring this out along with As we me. get to the end of the show and we start talking about uh, me doing a, a cash maintenance run recently, I have a good example of one of those. So, yep. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you kind of mentioned a little bit earlier, and a lot of us will do this when we're out caching and we find a wet log, a lot of times a cashier will replace it. And most of the time, the cash owners appreciate that. That, that is true. Most of the times the cash owners do appreciate it. I know that actually I appreciate but it. I appreciate it as well. But I do know there is a line between owner maintenance and we'll, we'll say community cashier maintenance. So let's talk a little about that. When we're finding the cash, what's an appropriate maintenance to help out with? Because we all want to be helpful. Most of the time we want to be helpful. <laughs> but sometimes we can take that helpfulness a little too far. Yeah. And, you know, I recently was on another podcast uh, with, three, uh, with three hosts. And we wound up having a discussion about this. And I really liked what the consensus was from that discussion. And the consensus was the community can help maintain the insides of the geocache. They can add a log. They can remove things that uh, aren't appropriate, uh, can remove things that are rusty and just turn into a mess. But as far as the outer container, uh, probably leave that to the cash owner and let them know, hey, this is leaking. Um, and then I guess the one caveat is, you know, if you look through the logs and it said, replace, the log was wet, replaced it. The log, every third person, the log is wet, replaced it. Uh, maybe stop replacing the log and let the cash owner take care of that issue. So that's, you know, I, th I thought that was reasonable. What do you think? that's reasonable i actually it's interesting you say that about the wet logs because i literally just ran into this experience earlier this month we found it was a lock and lock but the lid was broken so one of the locking parts was not there and everything was wet inside and there was like three or four it, it wasn't found very often probably a couple months in between each find and there was like three or four logs that said wet wet inside replace the log contents wet dried it out replace the log but not a single person had reported needs maintenance right. on it one person even put in their log the lid was broken but nobody had reported it needed maintenance so i i didn't replace the log this time because it was just i dumped the water out but i didn't replace the log and i i actually reported the needs maintenance this time because it it's not going to do any good to just keep replacing it and it's just getting turned into mush every yep, time that's terrific for you terrific for you uh, and i'm going to pass on some little tips that a lot of people don't know if you're dealing with like a pill bottle or anything that has a cap on it when you put it back make sure that the cap is above the bottom it doesn't necessarily have to be standing up it just has to be above it so that when water comes to it it flows towards the bottom if it flows towards the top Capicular action, <laughs> a word from high school, something or other, <laughs> will take it and fill it up. I I had, well, one of the things I learned is not to use uh, PVC with screw-on caps 
I uh, put those in and I thought, oh, these are great. I'll just hang them in these poles and uh, they'll be fine. But the water would leak in. And actually, when I would go retrieve them, they were full, completely full of water. I had somebody do a lock and lock. They put the lock and lock upside down and that completely filled full of water. So, yeah, as the community members, just that one thing, just watching the placement on how you put those geocaches back is going to be really helpful. It's amazing how water will find its way into things. It really is. It really is. And the owner, what should they be responsible for? They should be responsible for, for all of it, uh, but this, especially the containers and especially, you know, if those lock and locks, especially the inexpensive ones, um, those those flaps break after a little while and they have to be replaced. When it comes to the container, and we've talked about this before, throw downs and people will just, if a cache is missing, throw something down to replace it. When we have a cache where the container is in need of maintenance, if we happen to have something that is, you know, so I know some cashers keep maintenance kits in their vehicles. Right. So if we actually have, or, or, you know, we have something at home and, hey, we can get out here and do it. Is it okay to help the cash owner replace the container if we contact them first? I think so. As a matter of fact, okay. So this is one of my new uh, my new axioms for geocaching, and I'm getting a whole <laughs> bunch of them. And that's that the game pieces are best when in the hands of active and responsible game players. So let's back up and look at this uh, situation. So you find a container; it's cracked. It it's a pill bottle, and you have a pill bottle in your car. So you're going to do a one-on-one -on -one exchange. But you look and this, this person has been inactive for seven years. Are you doing the game a favor by replacing it or not? The person's been active, you know the person and you've, you know they're active and you know they're responsible and they're going to appreciate the fact that you replace that. So I think that's kind of the way, you know, the yin and the yang of how, how are we gonna make our decision? And uh, yeah, so I don't have a specific answer, <laughs> <laughs> but I have some guidelines that uh, people can use in their head and make their own decisions. Yeah, it's kind of a tough one. And I think it's one of those where everybody's going to have a little different opinion sure. on that one. But then it also begs the question, is it still a throwdown if oh. you've been given permission or do we consider it a legit replacement? Okay, so one second. <laughs> so on one hand, you were talking about replacing a container that you found, but it was in bad shape. Yeah. In my mind, that's not a throwdown. That you have found a container, you found a log, you're just going to replace the container. And that is not a throwdown. That is replacing. Okay. In my mind, a throwdown is you know, let's make it simple. You go to the lamppost, <laughs> lift it up, and there's nothing underneath there. So you put a pill bottle under there because that way that gives you a find. 
and you think and you feel I've helped I've helped the cash owner. But that is in fact a throwdown. If you have explicit permission to replace that for the cash owner, that's not a throwdown. That's you're helping the cash owner. If you don't have explicit permission, and in my mind, especially if the cash owner has not been active for seven years, let's get that thing archived and get that area, that entire one, you know, one tenth of a square mile in the hands of an active and responsible geocacher. Yeah, there's a lot of, I, I don't want to say fine lines, but there's definitely a lot of, a lot of lines out there for what all this stuff is and what is going on with what and what's the right motive and what's the right thing to do. And I think in some, for some people, it's just going to depend person to person, but it seems like this is something that we really do need to have a clear definition on because it does affect the game in a way. It does. And you might as well, you know, even GCHQ, they don't have rules. They have guidelines. So don't expect black and white lines here. You're an engineer. You may be used to black and white lines. <laughs> Just get used to the gray areas. <laughs> the black and white lines make my job a lot easier. We'll, we'll call it that. Let, let's say that. <laughs> as, as an engineer, black and white lines are so much simpler. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> we don't like the gray area. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> We've talked a little bit already about disabling caches and archiving caches, but let's talk about the two compared to each other. Okay. When might we want to temporarily disable a cache versus wanting to archive a cache? That's fantastic. Great question. Okay. So you might want to temporarily disable a cache. And again, I'm monitoring all the time. I see two DNFs. I don't have a chance immediately to get out there. I'm going to go ahead and disable that cache and, you know, get it out, get it out of that searches unless, you know, get it out of the searches. So it's not showing up. Um, construction preventing access. That is a good reason to, uh, you know, disable the cache. Um, if I get a note that says the log is mush and the person didn't replace it, I can disable that. I don't want, I don't want, you know, don't want the first time geocacher or the 10th geocache that he finds to be a mush log. I want a good experience for people finding my caches. So I'll disable it and until I can deal with it. Um, archiving the cache. Um, and we're going to talk about this when we're going to talk about the recent uh, maintenance run I did. If it's repeatedly missing, it's time to give it up. <laughs> um, the geocache is stale. And uh, this is, uh, you know, we talked about refreshing the game board. Yes, we did. Yeah, we, we've mentioned it. Yeah, we, yeah <laughs> we talked about refreshing the game board. There we go. And, uh, you know, if a, and GCHQ is actually getting on top of this, and they're and they're really supporting this whole effort. That if a cache is stale, all the locals have found it. It's a, you know, it's a 1.1, 1.1, nothing spectacular about it. Uh, the people who are visiting the area aren't finding it because they're looking for the highly favorited caches, not the 
1.1, with no favorite points. Uh, maybe that's time to get that archived and try and set something that's at least a little bit better. And, and sometimes I'll just archive a cache because I have a better idea, you know? So if we're going to not just replace a missing container, but if we have, if we're completely changing the container, mm -hmm. it goes from a pill bottle to an ammo can, we'll say, just throw something different out there or something that's more creative. Instead of just replacing it and updating the cache description, is it better to archive the original pill bottle and then reset the new cache with the new, new and better improved container? What would you rather have? That pill <laughs> bottle that's uh, two miles from your house that you found three years ago or a new cash container? That's a, I want the new cash container. There we go. <laughs> I, think, I think you might have helped answer your own question. <laughs> I, this is actually another one I kind of learned the hard way. I'm, I'm guilty of not knowing any better. I had a, it wasn't a lock and lock box, but it was one of those waterproof boxes, <laughs> you know, and it was placed out in an area and we had a flash flood come through. So I disabled it. We went out there, we actually managed to find the container, surprisingly. But I thought, you know what? What if I did something different with it? So I completely redid it with a creative container, but didn't ever think that I should archive the old one and re-put it out. And I just updated the cache page. So I am very much guilty of I did this not even thinking and realizing it. And then later on, somebody pointed out to me, hey, you know, it would have been cool if you archived it. And then we could have gone back and found the new container. And I was like, oh, <laughs> that's a great point. <laughs> it really is a good point. And you gave a great example of it. And yeah, you know, and Amy, don't don't beat yourself up over the over this. You're you're in your second year of geocaching, or maybe your third year by now. But uh, you have a lot more chances to make a lot more mistakes before you. <laughs> I do, and I look forward to it because it means I'm learning. Absolutely. And if I'm learning, I'm improving. Yeah, and oh, and you know, and that's another part of cache maintenance. Um, if you also have to maintain the cache page. So if let's say a cache pay, a cache goes missing, and you know, I choose to, but instead of putting down a lock and lock, I'm just going to put a pill bottle because I don't have any lock and locks right now. Take that cash page and don't make it, you know, a regular, whatever size it was, move it down to a micro because people are going to go in there and they're going to be looking for a regular container, but it's now a pill bottle. So maintaining the cash page, that's also important. Yeah, it's, it's funny you mentioned that because again, earlier this month, I just experienced that for the first time as well. It was supposed to be a large and reading the description, it originally was a large, but then I guess somewhere along the line, the container got destroyed in a storm or tree fell on it or something and it got replaced. 
but with a very different size and it was no longer a large it was a small and it took us a lot longer to find it because we were looking for something much larger yep yep but but also along those same lines even if you keep i would say even if you're going to keep a similar size container like you change from a pill bottle to a bison tube mm -hmm. or a magnetic key box if your description says what the old container looks like go back and update it because people are looking for that old container and when it's something completely different yeah or your cache page says hanging, you know, that's what your hint. It's hanging, yeah, hanging and but it's fallen and it's not hanging anymore. Change it. <laughs> so people yeah. look at the ground. <laughs> yeah, there's, I think the cache page can often be overlooked when it comes to maintenance, because I think we tend to focus so much on the actual physical geocache that we forget about the digital stuff that goes with it and that's kind of what we have to maintain when it's an adventure lab too is that digital stuff typically absolutely absolutely so i completely lost my train of thought as soon as i said that well let's see <laughs> let me tell you let me tell you about the maintenance run that i did recently Yes, let's let's tell us about this maintenance run that you did recently. Like, okay, recently being yesterday, because I because okay, one of the motive one of the one of the more <laughs> one of the things that can motivate a person to do cash maintenance is to volunteer to be a guest on a podcast talking about cash maintenance, and uh, <laughs> and I had yesterday I had seven um, caches on my on my list, and today I have two. So, and I think it's also a really great summary of, uh, of, of what cash maintenance is. So yesterday, um, just quick summary, there was S, S up, low down, and pull behind the bench, screwed at the Ohio jail, who set the sign and park over old, old grade. Uh, two of them, the first two, are just easy pill bottles hanging inside of posts, uncapped posts. So I went up to there yesterday and uh, th there was one DNF on each of them. And I'm like, this is such an easy one. Uh, this must be missing. Went out there yesterday, looked and by gosh, both of them were there. Uh, and so in the mood to do a refresh the game board, I looked around and hey, is there something a little bit better that I can set? And there wasn't, so I went ahead and and the caches were in great shape. So I logged an owner maintenance. Um, why did I log an owner maintenance? Because there was a DNF on those, and that meant that their their cache uh, health score had gone down. Uh, for somebody who doesn't know what the cache health score is, cache health score, geocaching.com has an algorithm. Don't know what is all involved in it, but it keeps track of things like how many DNFs, how long between times that a cache is found, and it assigns a health score. And if that health score goes dips low enough, 
GHQ, the computer automatically spits out an email to the cash owner saying, you should check on this. Didn't go through a reviewer, didn't go through anybody. It just automatically spits out. By putting in there an owner maintenance, it resets that cash, that cash health score. And so if somebody goes and checks on their geocaches, I really encourage them, go ahead and do a cache, an owner maintenance on log on that. Even if you didn't do anything, even if the cache was in really good shape. Okay, so the next two ones I go to are screwed at the Ojai Jail and who set this sign? Screwed at the Ojai Jail, great location. Just one of those locations. It takes us to the old Ojai Jail, which is humorous, too humorous, too long to talk about here. But it's a, <laughs> it's a location that should have a geocache. Okay. But this is like in the last three months, so this has gone missing three times. Actually not missing. It's a piece of, uh, is a bison tube glued into a block of wood, which is screwed onto a fence post. And somebody's collecting the tops of the bison tubes <laughs> and removing the logs. I have no idea. But after three times in a couple months, it's time to, uh, you know, archive that one and look around and try and find some place. I'm not gonna say it's a little bit better, it's not, but it's better hidden. And we now have another geocache at the Ohio jail. Yeah, that's an odd one. I have not heard of somebody just stealing <laughs> the tops of bison tubes before. <laughs> Me neither. Uh, who set this sign? Who set this sign? The person, it was, um, it was on a post that was, set crooked i mean it was like somebody drunk <laughs> set, this, set this you know no no parking sign crooked and i it wasn't even hit it's just was set crooked so i had to set a geocache there but it's a nothing That's geocache. Funny. well the person who reported the dnf said uh there's nothing unusual about this sign it's all nice and shiny new so apparently they replaced it oh <laughs> so i'm driving to it and and I see this really neat pl place uh, called wheels or uh, windmills and wagons. And this is going to be our, our cash highlight. So hang on to this. I'll talk about it a lot more okay. often. But I go to the place <laughs> and nothing's there. <clears throat> and I decide, okay, this is, I'm going to utilize this in a much better geocache. And we'll talk about how I did that. Uh, okay. So. So now those two caches, they've, they've both been archived. One's been replaced, one will be replaced or has been replaced and uh, not, not active quite yet, but tomorrow it will be. Tomorrow oh, nice. after our recording, it will be, not when you actually listen to this. And then the third <laughs> one was uh, park over old grade, just a cache that I set, nothing special about it, not in a special area not even a special area to, I'm gonna archive this and set something better. There's a lot of other places to hide things. I'm just gonna archive this, open up the area. If somebody wants to set a geocache, great. Um, so that's my little cache run yesterday. Two are uh, up and running. Three of them wind up being archived. Sounds like a productive run though. You've got two new ones out and, or one new one out, one waiting to be published, all out of that 
run. So that's, and one that's of them neat. that's good enough that it deserves to be a cache highlight on the, uh, <laughs> on the Adventures in Geocache podcast. <laughs> yes, I'm looking forward to that one for sure. But first, let's talk about actually reporting a maintenance and, and the maintenance logs. Okay. So and it may seem a bit obvious now that we've talked about all the different maintenance aspects, but when should you, when you're fighting a geocache, report maintenance on a geocache? Um, do it when there's something that you can't correct. You know, it's the log is wet, but you, you don't, you, and you don't have time to dry it, or the log is mush, but you don't have a replacement for it. Uh, go ahead and activate that needs maintenance um, attribute and get that posted on there. Because that's an attribute that can be searched and it'll show up on cache page. Okay, so we've talked about maintaining caches and when we need to report that it needs maintenance. But how do we report that a cache needs maintenance? It's a little bit different on, on the computer versus the app. On a computer, when you're in the log, you'll look and there's a little link that says report a problem. And, and then when you click on it, it brings up a page that you can fill in and gives you like four options. Logbook is full, container is damaged, cache should be archived, which we'll talk about in a little bit, and then other. Whichever one it is that you're doing, give an explanation on what needs to be done. Um, then in the app, it's a little bit different. The log is up here, but if you scroll, you'll get down to report a problem with this geocache. And again, it just gives you two options. But again, give the CO the information on what needs to be done. That's the best way to do it. That needs archived. That's an interesting one. Needs archived. Sometimes you know that it needs archive. You know, let's say it's right next to a, rain, a railroad track and for somehow it's still got approved. It's in a schoolyard and somehow it got approved. Immediately, that's a, that's a clear violation. There's very few rules in geocaching, but those, those, there's two of them. And so those need to be archived. But another time you might need to be archived is you know, there's DNF, 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 DNF. There's four months worth of DNF. The cash owner has not done anything about it. Um, it's time to put a needs archive. And the difference between a needs maintenance, needs maintenance, the CEO will get a, a, a email. Needs archive, the CEO gets an email and the reviewer gets an email. And then the reviewer can then look at it, look at the situation and decides if he wants to start that 30 day process to get that cash archived. So, you know, don't feel guilty that, oh, I've, I'm the one who's declaring it's gonna be archived, you're not. You're the one who's bringing it to the, to the reviewer's attention that please review this and see if, you know, it's appropriate to archive this. I think that's fair. And Something that I have done when I've been hesitant to mark needs archived, I've marked needs maintenance, and then I've put the cache on a watch list to see if the owner posts a maintenance log or if anybody else is posting DNFs and needs maintenance. And if I'll watch it for a few months, and if I see 
no owner activity, if there's more DNFs, if there's more needs maintenance reported, I'll go back and report a needs archived and state that cash owner has not responded, several DNFs, several needs maintenance logs. So then I feel a little bit more confident in my decision for reporting that needs archived and it's still being done. That's great. That's great to tip. Thank you for sharing that. And I think it's important to point out that the needs maintenance logs not only benefit the CO, but they benefit other cashers, much like the DNF logs do. Because another cashier may be looking at, I may go grab this one, and if they see a needs maintenance, may choose to not go get it, especially if they have kids or newer cashers with them. It's it's good for the game. It it's is. good for the game. And you mentioned it a bit earlier, reporting that you did owner maintenance. Yes. You've talked a little bit about why that's important and the cash health score, but I think it's good to point out also that it's important because even though those two caches that had DNFs were still there, if you report that you checked on it and it's still good, then the cashier looking at that page trying to decide if they want to go get it or not isn't deterred because they see DNFs on there. That's correct. You know, we all have a, as COs, we have a reputation. <laughs> we can have a reputation as, hey, this is an active and responsible CO who takes care of his caches in every area. In my area also, there are COs who have the reputation of this CO does not take care of his caches. This CO is not, he might be active, but he's not being responsible. As a CO, decide which of those you want to be. And, uh, you know, I know which one you're going to be, Amy. You're <laughs> going to be that active and responsible one. I, I certainly try. Uh, granted, I don't have anywhere near as many hides as you do, <laughs> but the few <laughs> I have, I try to maintain. And, that, you know, that's a good point. You know, some people say, oh, they should limit how many uh, caches a CO can have. I don't think that they should do that, uh, you know, because there are cache owners who have hundreds and hundreds of them on uh, power trails. And some people really love the power trails. Some people really love the... Uh, love the geo art. And so we don't want to limit those. Um, so self limit. And how do you know how, you know, set as many caches, if you want to set a lot of caches, set as many caches as caches that you can take care of. And how do you know, if you can take care of them, you're maintaining them, they're keeping them in good shape, you have that reputation of this person sets a lot of caches, but uh, does a good job doing it. And, uh, and you're not getting notes from your reviewer saying, please check on this cache. If nothing's done in 30 days, um, we're going to archive the cache. I think distance is something we also need to factor in when hiding the cache, because if you're not willing to drive that far to maintain the cache or have somebody in the area willing to do it for you, then we need to not place that hide because it's going to go unmaintained. Very true. Very true. Are there any final tips for cash maintenance that you want to share with us? Um, 
no, I think it's cash maintenance. Uh, you know, <laughs> just keep it fun. Keep them good. Keep keep that game board in the you know keep those game pieces in the game in the uh, hands of active and responsible geocachers and the game benefits. I agree. So you've teased us a little bit about this cash highlight. I did. And and I am looking forward to hearing what it is. So please share with us what this is. Okay, so this is this I was out yesterday, uh, drove by this area that somebody had told me about. And this is a homeowner whose house is up on a hill, but his property line comes down close to the highway where there's a little pullout and there's a little alcove, if you want to call it. Uh, that's part of his property. And he has set some windmills and some wagons in that area and then made a little pathway. And his pathway says, please um, you know, enjoy, enjoy my garden, uh, stay on the path. So obviously, he, it's a great place to put a geocache. Unfortunately, <laughs> there is a geocache north of it, 300 feet, and there's a geocache south of it, 400 feet. So to utilize this place, we have two options. We would A, have to get two people and they're not my geocaches. I'd have to ask them to archive their geocaches so that I could set one, or I could make it a multi. This is gonna be my posted coordinates virtually, which is fine and dandy. And then I have this geocache who set this sign that I know it's gonna get archived. I have a place to hide a cache. <laughs> <laughs> oh. well, that's what I have done. And uh, and the reason it has to post tomorrow. Now, this is kind of a little tribute to my uh, good friend and my muse, uh, geocacher, um, ShareBear64, who has taken me from just kind of a guy who hides pill bottles under rocks to trying to make a theme and make better geocaches. So yes, you've highlighted some of her <laughs> caches on the previous episodes you were on. I remember I you talking about her. I have, and now I'm going to be able to use some of her inspiration to talk about mine, because now uh, windmills and wagons. I went and I f went and went to uh, got this little windmill thing that's so cute, and that's going to be where the geocache final is and ah, isn't that adorable I so love that. now we have a theme i may in fact i got three of these and i may take them over to and ask the guy who owns the property can i put two of them in and doesn't that tie the location and the final together really well and i'm sorry for the people who are <laughs> who who are listening to this, uh, which is everybody, but uh, it's just a little <laughs> cute little windmill that uh, I think is going to fit in really well. So I'll have to grab a screenshot of that to add to the show notes because it is a cute little windmill, and yeah. I love the idea yeah, of so doing something like that to tie the two locations together. To tie the, to make a theme to make a theme from both locations. So yeah, so that's GC nine. X-ray Mike Romeo Papa, and it's going to be called uh, Windmills and Wagons. That's awesome! Yep. I love it. Thank you. So it's it's just a two-stage multi, then the garden, and then the final. Yes. 
then they're they're within two miles of each other. That's the kind of multi I would do right there. It's two stages. If it's more than two, I am horrible with multis. If I find out it's more than two stages, I go, mm, do I really want to spend my time doing this? Yep. <laughs> but read the cash page. Some of them, sometimes. you know, some of them are some of them are worth it. But yeah. Some of them are. Some of them are, yes. But yep. So that's it. You know, that's my little cash maintenance uh, spiel. And uh, thank you very much for letting me share it. And I hope I gave some tips that people can use. I really appreciate it because I I think this is, you know, even for the most experienced cashier, I think it's a good reminder or refresher to to go over this kind of stuff and maybe relearn something or learn something new it's like as you said you've been doing this for 18 years when you started you didn't have the owner dashboard so there may be some longtime cashers that just haven't thought to utilize that because they've done it a certain way for so long So I do appreciate you coming on here. As always, it has been a pleasure talking with you and I appreciate you taking the time to join me today and and talking about this and sharing your cash highlight. I can't wait to, I I love the idea. You'll have to let me know the response it gets after it gets published and how it goes with that. I'll send you the link and you can put put it on a watch list. I will, (laughs) I will see how it goes. I love it. Thank you so much, really. My pleasure. Thank you for listening to Geocache Adventures. I hope you enjoyed this episode. Have you heard of FTF Magazine? It's the magazine for geocachers, filled with articles and snippets sent in by geocachers just like you. I'm a subscriber myself, and I love it. Check them out today at ftfgeo.com and tell them Shadow Dragon 1 sent you. Would you like to be a guest on a show or have a topic you'd like to hear covered? reach out and let me know. Just go to the geocacheadventures.org website and click on the contact page to reach out.